Thanks for listening again to Filmed in Canada. We're a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee. And I'm Alexander Cairns. Today we're going to be talking about a classic of Canadian cinema. Yes. We're going to be talking about David Cronenberg's movie from 1983, Videodrome. I would, I, would, I would hazard to say a classic of horror cinema, not just Canadian cinema. Like, I think it's just a generally regarded classic, right? Probably. It's a classic movie. I think, no, I think it's... Yeah, I think I, it's I'm pretty sure it's even on the um, Sight and Sound Top 250 Films of All Time list. Wow. It's in the 200s, but it's on there. I think it deserves a place there, sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's more than a, I think it's more than a horror movie too. I, uh, I, yeah. I, I want to talk about how it, um, it is a different kind of sci-fi movie as well. Yeah. Um, and it's the movie that asks, um, when was the last time you fucked your TV? <laughs> so. Does he fuck the TV? N- no, 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 but he wants to. He really wants to. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a good movie. Yeah, as you, opposed to the last movie that we talked about, <laughs> which was Bond Cop, Bad Cop. Um, okay, you've um, you've you've said you want to talk about this before, yeah. and, and I've kind of delayed it because um, I I'm a little bit intimidated by like such a uh, uh, a monumental, not only Canadian movie but just like uh, like a really prominent movie that mm-hmm. uh, that people know about and is. Uh, um, I hesitate to say cult following because I think it's I think it's more it it's more respected than just being considered a cult movie. But yeah, it's um, yeah. I would say I would say that his earlier efforts have more of a cultish feel to them. I'm thinking like The Brood and Scanners. Like the the fandom for those movies is is passionate in a different way. Whereas I feel like this one is more just generally regarded as a as a great movie perhaps because of its it's the ideas in it i, th- I think the idea the ideas at play and and the thematic resonances are deeper than his earlier movies and so i like the, the cult association typically comes with movies that are more just kind of splatter fests or or just more, more you're watching them more for the pure enjoyment as opposed to really engaging with thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like you really have to think about Videodrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what, I don't know, I don't know if there's any like background information about the movie other than, uh, maybe just some of the, to, to mention some of the cast. Um, but it was written and directed by David Cronenberg stars, yeah. James Woods, uh, Sonia Smits is in it. Debbie Harry is uh, prominently featured in it. Um, she was, uh, the lead singer for, is it, is it Blondie? Blondie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was this her, um, like first time in, uh, like being an, an actress or was it? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. It, you, you want to do, uh, like a, a brief, uh, plot intro? Yeah, please. For those who are unfamiliar with it. Yeah. Yeah, So James Woods is, uh, Max Wren spelled W-R-E-N. So that's a cool name. And he is the president of a local television channel in Toronto called uh, Civic, Civ- TV Civic TV or Channel 83. Channel 83. And uh, it's Civic TV is known for 
it's sort of late night softcore pornography and just generally titillating content and um mr max wren is just always on the hunt for newer and more sort of grotesque and obscene content to be uh, distributed on this channel and through his efforts he comes across some sort of uh, scrambled broadcast of what just appears to be torture and it's uh, it's called videodrome and he becomes obsessed with this broadcast and trying to find where it's being broadcast out of turns out it's in pittsburgh and just wants to get the originals of videodrome and who who creates it and what um who's behind it and why, why are they doing this because why are people just being tortured and and how does it look so real um and through this process he starts to lose touch with reality and has wild hallucinations and um just sort of begins a descent into madness i suppose yeah <laughs> i think so yeah. yeah yeah um do you feel like we would uh in this in this conversation of it do you should do you think that we would get into uh some of the um plot discoveries that happen later on oh yeah yeah uh do you think we're doing that right away sure okay so be warned listeners if you haven't seen this movie from 1983 you might want to check it out before you listen to the rest of this yeah um i've seen this a couple of times and um, i i watched it uh, i rewatched it before we um were to meet to talk today yeah and i realized um about about two-thirds in I remember it pretty well. Yeah. The last third, I never remember. Oh, I know. You too. No, well, no, I did remember it this time, but the second time I saw it, I was like, holy fuck, when did this dude explode and a, <laughs> and a cinder block wall just disappears? Like, yeah. how did that happen? But it, it takes a turn at some point and like the rest of the movie is revealed. And for some reason, my, it, it doesn't hold in my brain. Yeah. And so whenever I watch it, it feels like, oh, now what's going to happen? Like I'm, I'm like seeing the movie for uh, like new again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so because the movie is about like the, um, the, the effects of like, uh, of the TV signal on your brain and, and, uh, um, like there's the suggestion of like subliminal messages and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, it didn't make me wonder like, well, you know, how come, how come certain signals stay in my brain and some don't, right? Yeah. In terms of, well, I think, I think, um, I think part of it is the, the last third of the movie is there, there's a lot going on in terms of the plot. So it's hard to keep track of what's happening, but then also, um, like the special effects and the and the murders and everything and like just all the violence just kicks into high gear and i think it just becomes way too overstimulating maybe yeah and and it's just hard to retain that in your brain yeah yeah and it it doesn't um the movie doesn't like waste a lot of time in the beginning either like yeah pretty much uh we're introduced to to max and then the next scene is somebody saying like hey check out this weird program it's called yeah. video drill what should we do about it yeah well it's only, it's like it's less than 90 minutes long yeah um so uh i feel like it hooks you quickly and yeah. uh so you're into this uh this mystery of like what is this uh, weird transmission he saw how is he going to find it um and then like when 
the uh, when the uh, that last third uh, when he is when he when Max becomes like this tool of of one side and then the other side, he does a lot of walking around, mm-hmm. and it seems even though it even though like we we only have like thirty minutes left in the movie in terms of runtime, it it suddenly feels like. The movie's expanded because it's just a lot of Max walking places and like uh, getting ready to do a thing. Yeah. Um, so it feels think, like it slows down. Yeah, I, but I think I think um, I mean obviously it's intentional, but I feel like the 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 purpose of that kind of slowing down, creating more space, is to allow for some of the ideas to kind of set in. But then also, um, it's kind of like how in scanners. Um, like they, they he uh, Cronenberg has said that, like having the head explode at the beginning of the movie, just made it so that they can make the movie a lot cheaper because then and at any close up, there's just the threat of like holy shit is someone's head going to explode right now and so and so just it, it just inherently creates this tension and um. I feel like I feel like there's there's a similar thing going on here because there in the middle of the movie there are so many of these hallucinations that he goes through that um like every every new scene that he gets into or new scenario you're you're sort of left questioning okay is he is he hallucinating or is he not and um so he can you t- can sort of take more time with the scenes because he can he can build the tension of trying to understand where Max is at in his own psyche and and if he is just completely going insane or if he is able to um, get a, get out of Videodrome or or break away from Videodrome or whatever you want to say um, and so yeah I feel like I feel like there it it it, it helps that there is more room mm-hmm. yeah but it's, that's also the time though uh, when it's unclear whether he has his he he's the agent of his of his own body anymore. Yeah. Right. So maybe maybe it also slows down because because uh, we've we've seen Max as like this um, very uh, like kind of a hyper individual. He's you know very um, driven to like get the thing he wants. Yeah. And then because uh, he's no longer in control of of himself fully, that he is now taking a lot more time to complete one task. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel did when you saw this movie uh, the first time? Um, did it uh, like did it hook you in really easily, or did you have to like think about it first? Or? I I, th- I, th- I feel like I was more kind of unsettled by it because um, I don't know just the way that I, it had been talked about by other people. It just made it seem like it was this really like threatening and. Um, intimidating thing and so it's kind of it's kind of like watching um, I don't know I'm trying to think of a non horror movie analog it's 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 like watching I don't know like like bicycle thieves or something and it's like you know this classic movie and um, that like bicycle thieves in particular like can you watch that and just get get drawn into the the suspense of this of this person trying to um, trying to get away with, with stealing this bike, or is it you know this this broad social commentary about you know class structure and all that stuff, and so I couldn't I couldn't 
first watch Videodrome as just an entertainment or or as an entertainment and a psychological and or philosophical exercise. And so yeah, I just kind of I just kind of was overwhelmed by it, I guess. Hmm. And yeah, so it wasn't until the second time that I saw it that I really was able to like get into the rhythm of it and enjoy it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? I remember seeing Siskel and Ebert review it mm. uh, on on television, and I remember the clip that they showed was where the television set is kind of like bubbling, mm. um, and like the the it, it starts to stretch and and the veins pulse out. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. I remember they showed that scene, and uh, and I actually I don't remember like the review of it because yeah. uh, seeing those images just like uh, when I was um, I guess I was preteen or 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 at least teen at that time. Yeah. Um, just those images just kind of freaked me out. So yeah. Like what the what is this thing, right? Uh, and yeah. so, um, so for a, for a long time it was it was like that movie that weird creepy movie that I saw a small clip of that uh, that I never felt I was ready to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I I think I did see it um, on video at one point when I was uh, like trying out. Uh, lots of like grown-up movies mm -hmm. and it didn't really register for me mm -hmm. um, so it was it was uh, it might have been after like I watched it in a university class that I, I could actually start to deal with some of the ideas behind it mm -hmm. and uh, and then even then it was because it was it was very it was very much from trying to trying to watch a movie from an academic standpoint you're still not really connecting with the movie you're just yeah. like you're just wanting to get enough information so you can write a paper yeah so so yeah, it, i guess I, and i guess yeah i guess that's that's a, kind of a better way of describing how i felt about watching it the first time even though i wasn't oh. writing a paper about it okay i felt like it was an exercise yeah so i think it's a movie that grew on me like i just like watched bits of it over um you know a couple of repeat viewings and then and then one time i watched it um just because I, I felt like I should revisit it, and I and and now, like it just got under my skin. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, I wonder if people do take our recommendation. If it's their first time watching it, if they will have um, a negative reaction to it, they'll mm. say like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty crazy movie. Yeah, especially since um, the technology it references also is is now is now archaic. Um, yeah. for the most part, um, like VHS tapes and, um, uh, I guess you have satellite signals, so yeah. I mean, it's not so archaic, but, but, but I, I, I think what's interesting about his movies is the ideas are so fully formed that the technology itself just becomes kind of a stand in for whatever technology is now in play because what he's exploring in this movie like still applies today. It's almost even more relevant today than it was 35 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Because 35 years ago, we just had TV, whereas now we have the TV, we have TV and the internet. Mm -hmm. And the internet is like so much more absorbing and um, damaging to the human mind than television is, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, is the word prescient? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, this... I think that's the word for this movie. Is yeah. uh, I mean, it was it was a it seemed to be about um, television and, and videotapes, but um, underlying it is is something that 
is maybe a, a timeless concern is, is what is our relationship with technology? Yeah. What will technology do to us? What will it do to our bodies? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it is completely still relevant. Yeah. And maybe that means it's ripe for someone to remake uh, with current I've technology. Heard of, I've heard about a remake of Videodrome. I yeah. think it's actually been in, in development for some time. Like at least a few years. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see the point. Like I feel like David Cronenberg should remake Videodrome, except it would just be a different movie with a different title and a different plot. I, well, <laughs> well, Crash is kind of like the same movie. Isn't I was it? thinking more Existence. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which we should talk about sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. Cra- Crash is the same movie, but cars are the technology that are, that are destroying us. Yes, or or the thing that we love to our detriment. Yeah, yeah, and then and then existence is again essentially the same except for video games. Yeah, would you rather fuck a TV or your car? You don't have to answer that right now. But um, the, I, I said it's before, easier to, it's easier to have sex in a car than it is to have sex on a TV. I guess. So. I think I'm turned on more by TVs than cars. Like the, so, the actual the look and shape <laughs> of a television, or some of the design features, yeah. <laughs> so I would say, I would say, if we're if we're if I have to pick one or the other, I would say that I'm more turned on by cars. <laughs> Only if there's a sweet hot babe on top of it, though. Am I right? No, that's not worth a high five. <laughs> um, no, I'm not turned on by cars or televisions. But I would say that I am scared of the idea of technology consuming me, especially as it relates to my sexual expression. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) That is something that scares me. And so this movie, yeah, this movie, just like watching it again, just really made me um, reflect upon my own... Yeah, just my own fears and my own vices in a way that that I hadn't really reflected on when watching it previously. Um, but but also, Max's mental decay really resonated with me, and I feel like, um, you know, even if it's not television or technology or whatever it is, if there's anything in your life that you become obsessed with, it it can bend your reality in a way and you know even if you even if you're not going to the extent of hallucinating you know it's it's that you um you you become so obsessed with this one thing that you um begin to forget about other aspects of your life or um you misremember things or you know you yeah you you just you alter your reality in order for it to reflect your need for this obsession. And so, I mean, I guess that's essentially addiction. Um, and so, yeah, I guess like that, it, it, this movie doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be about television specifically, which again is why I'm saying like, it doesn't, the, the ideas are so fully formed that the fact that you're watching a bunch of VHS, VHS tapes and that's, that's a, an outdated technology is kind of irrelevant because mm-hmm. it uses that t- technology to such a specific 
purpose um, that that it becomes uh, timeless, I guess. Well, I mean, the the movie does kind of a bait and switch on the audience too, because it, it you know it starts out to it starts out making you think it's about snuff mills snuff films or these torture films right yeah but um but then it and the characters ask each other like why who would watch this kind of stuff yeah right? and and then the movie later on asks what if that is just like a delivery system for something more insidious yeah yeah um which made me think um the people who were uh the uh what was the op the um the people spectacular be- spectacular optical. optical people behind Videodrome. I was wondering if that was like referring to, like, re- people who uh, are like uh, on the religious right or like moral. Um, I don't want to say fanatics, but people who who kind of like uh, espouse a certain moral code. If if that was uh, if if that was meant to be read as like people who um, espouse this, like a superior moral code, if they are wanting to punish people that they think don't uh, have the same philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and and to do that, they would use as an instrument of, of uh, spreading their word, um, they would use the thing that they detest. Yeah. But it, but it also just kind of resonates on, on, on like a, a government conspiracy 1984 level as well, just in terms of it being used as a form of mind control. Mm-hmm. And creating these create, creating mental illnesses within the population in order to to yeah just control them or to create chaos or um unrest um and then and then they could you know have the cure for videodrome which is maybe sort of reflected in the cathode ray mission mm. uh there was something i was going to say about the spectacular optical thing oh yeah um it just it made me think of the Manchurian Candidate as well, yeah. Because it's kind of like using using a a visual cue to kind of indoctrinate someone and and turn them into whatever um, purpose you need. Because it's kind of it's hinted at that um, you know they, they have this this helmet thing that they put on to observe the hallucinations. So uh, you know you have to think that to some extent if if Videodrome is to um, be distributed to the masses they're going to use it in a more controlled way to perhaps um, control the hallucinations so that they only happen in certain instances and use them to uh, use them to a political end mm-hmm. I don't think we find out what that end is though, no or what that intention is right yeah I think we find out I think we discover the um, spectacular optic is wanting to take over channel 83 yeah. So that they, they so that they have a way of sending out the video drum signal. Yeah. Beyond that I'm not sure what their intention is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I don't I don't I don't know that it's necessary to, to know specifically what the intention is. It's just that there is this insidious element that is wanting to control people and that in itself is almost scarier than really knowing what their end goal is. Well, um, I because it allows to, you because it allows you to project whatever fear you have onto it. Yeah, I don't need to know what their end goal is. Either. I'm just yeah. uh, I was just kind of um, trying to work through the plot since you've you've seen it too. <laughs> yeah, you know, just in case I missed something. Yeah, but what it does uh, the feeling it leaves me though, not knowing what their intention is, 
and also not really knowing what uh, the cathode ray emissions intention is. Yeah. Um, it makes me relate more to, uh, to Max Wren, who becomes a puppet for both parties. And, uh, and, and he's, he's the victim of their machinations, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, you could, I could relate it to how we, we go about our everyday. Um, we're maybe at the whim of mind control by these uh, other entities to what purpose we don't know because we don't have control of that. Mm-hmm. We, are, we just have to uh, execute these uh, instructions that we've been given. Mm-hmm. So, um, so whatever Apple wants us to do, we're going to do and not realize it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for uh, hosting us on uh, iTunes, by the way. <laughs> not hosting us, but you know, listing us on yeah. the uh, iTunes store. Um, do you want to um, do you um, do you want to say anything more about like taking the plot apart, or do you want to just talk about like favorite moments in the movie? Or uh, well, I mean, my favorite moment obviously has to be when he goes to the spectacular optical conference and they're talking about their new eyewear and how it's going to like revolutionize the world or whatever and then max ren just shoots the dude but then he somehow like breaks apart and just starts like just these like weird globules crunk crack out of him him. yeah oh god yeah that's amazing what the fuck is that dude (laughs) it's unexplainable yeah it's just amazing (laughs) like i the only explanation i have for it is that he's some alien being Mm. because human bodies do not contain those components (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. although although the um the gun hand is is pretty awesome too yeah now my favorite effect um i think my favorite effect of the movie and there's a lot of great effects but um I think for me, it's uh, the vagina stomach. Yeah. Fuck that thing. It's just, when you see it, it is just uh, like my my eyes go wide open yeah. every time I see it. And he just so aggressively rams his hand in yeah. there too. And it's just like, oh, how do, yeah. how, like, like it's just, it's such firm skin. Yeah. Like it looks real. And, and then... Um, yeah, it does. It just it just looks like it's real, and yeah. and then the idea of like losing something in there is just oh. creeps me out. Yeah, he, and he puts the tape in there too. Yeah, when um, when uh, Barry Convex or or some of the other characters when they like give him the tape, yeah. and they shove it into his, his vagina stomach, um, it just it just feels it feels like it would hurt. The skin tape. Yeah, yeah. So. There's there's a shot where he's like where James Woods is standing up against the wall yeah. and he just and you see like uh, the guy put it, shoving it into his stomach yeah um, but it's like it's almost a full body shot of yeah. James Woods and yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just don't see the seams no it I just, know it's that's just what so I mean convincing. that's what I mean they just jam it in there yeah. and it doesn't seem like he like he's a pretty he's a pretty skinny guy and yet they're just going and it's not as if they're going in on an angle it doesn't look like they're just going straight in I don't get it. Do you get it? I don't know. I, but I, it seems like I feel it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that vagina stomach, again, just comes back to this idea that, that I'm thinking of in terms of obsession altering your reality. And in the same way, um, it leaves these wounds. Because it, 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 like, in one sense, it can be looked at as like a genital analog, so to speak. But I think as well, it could, it could be perceived as just this 
this this wound that's been left on him as a result of um, the the damage that Videodrome has done to him, and and it takes the form of female genitalia because that is the focus of his obsession. He is absorbed with he's absorbed with sexuality and finding newer and more grotesque ways of expressing sexuality. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if it was, um, like if this were a movie about, about some sort of drug addiction, it could be that, um, you know, the, the, the physical manifestation is, is, you know, like tooth decay or something like that. I don't, I don't, I can't think of, mm. but I, that would be more, a more realistic actual thing that would happen. But, mm. um, yeah, I don't think <clears throat> prior to this movie, um, prior to my seeing this movie, I don't think I associated, um, the video cassette player and, and the VHS tape. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I ever genderized them to think yeah. like the, you know, the one, one, one was penetrating the other thing. Right. But, um, but in in the case of Max Wren, that's 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 what it is, right? Yeah. He is his work or his obsession is about um, is about exploring sexuality, yeah. and uh, and then and like it's, it's telling when his uh, his encounter with um, uh, Debbie Harry's character when they get together, um, she asks like, "Do you have any porno?" Because that that helps get me started. Like, yeah, so yeah. so their sexuality right off the bat is uh, is coached in what can we find in this medium that uh, that will help us uh, that will help stimulate us. Yeah. So Debbie Harry's character it's is weird because she seems to disappear like halfway through the movie, mm-hmm. and then she just appears kind of in the Videodrome world or in these hallucinations that he's having. Um, and it, yeah, in fact, I guess after a certain point, she's only viewed on a television. Mm-hmm. So I guess, is is it ever brought into question whether she exists or not? It's questioned. Yeah. Because yeah. one character says that she was killed. Right. And then another character says, or it might be the same character, I, I think implied that she was killed before you met her. Right. And, and, and somehow the signal was put into your head. So right. I, think, I think it's... It, it's certainly left as a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but watching the scene where they meet on, on the television program where they're both like, she's presenting this more puritanical version of sexuality and, um, like kind of this, this certain level of disdain for his channel because, um, you know, it's, it's lowering the standards of our society and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, and then you know she, and then he he's like, well, you know, you're wearing this very titillating red dress or whatever. Um, I I have to think that Louis C.K. ripped off that scene because um, one of an episode of his show is centered around um, this interaction that he has with this Christian woman because he he gets brought on to a television show to basically advocate advocate for masturbation. And then this Christian woman is advocating for celibacy, <laughs> and, okay. and they get into this whole back and forth. And um, she ends up, they end up, they end up spending the night together. And he thinks that it's leading toward this sexual encounter, but she's just being this nice Christian girl and like wanting to help him. <laughs> and so he makes a move on her at the end of the episode, and she's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> 
just like can't we just have a good time and like enjoy ourselves like why do we have to have sex with each other um but yeah the the, the television scene in particular feels very much lifted from videodrome okay which i hadn't picked up on previously <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it just that's another thing that I hadn't picked up on until this viewing was that she slowly disappears from the real world and is only inside of Videodrome, mm-hmm. and then and then she, I guess, she becomes the voice in his head that that destroys him. I guess. Mm-hmm. There's also um, like a blurred connection though uh, in in James Woods' um, hallucinations between uh, Debbie Harry character and uh, that the older woman. Who uh, yeah? Who who makes videos and and he hires he asks her to to find out about video drum right? But um, yeah, because there's certain scenes where where they're like they swap bodies or whatever. yeah, like yeah. he sees both of them in his hallucinations yeah, and, and sometimes one after the other as if they're the same person yeah. So um, yeah, I guess someone can read into that uh, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have any points you wanted to uh, touch on? Um, well, yeah, I guess one of the things that stands out watching it this time is the, I don't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but the, the, I guess the quotability of it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of standout lines. I mean, the, the one, the one that stands out the most being long live the new flesh, because I guess that's how the movie ends, uh, followed by a gunshot, I guess. But, um, what is the new flesh? That is when... When Bianca Oblivion um, shoots Max Wren, yeah, or it looks like she's shot him, um, but she said uh, it, it, it's usually very difficult to remove the tape. Yeah. So she's like she's deprogrammed him, yeah. al- unless you might, you would say that he she's reprogrammed him. Yeah, but um, she said uh, you're post Videodrome, um, so now you're the new flesh. So something about having having survived that transformation between, um, I guess receiving the videodrome signal and and the disease that comes with it yeah and then somehow breaking free of it uh was the new flesh i think right yeah. but then but then he also like he ends the movie by saying death to videodrome long live the new flesh and then kills himself mm-hmm. um and so and then but then but then earlier in the movie dr oblivion also makes reference to the new flesh being mm-hmm. like his his kind of existence within the television and so I feel like I feel like it's almost alluding to this higher state of consciousness that exists within the television. Or it's like you're going inside of the technology and that is the new flesh. Oh, okay. That he's like in a almost like uploading his consciousness to the internet. So you think for you a think, more current analog. So Brian Oblivion is living in the new flesh is what you think. Yeah. Okay. What? Because because he communicates with Max despite the fact that he's dead apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he communicates with him in the present, like because he he sends that tape to Max's house at one point, and mm-hmm. um, he's clearly referencing things that he would need to know as a as a living person. Mm-hmm. But then Bianca says that he died months ago mm-hmm. and only exists within the tapes. So I feel like that's the new flesh. Okay, possibly. I think the new flesh is just like what the uh, what that church is selling. Yeah. So I'm not I I'm not sure if uh, if Max has really reached that state because he turns out to be uh, a puppet for the cathode ray mission as well. Mm-hmm. So 
maybe it's just like the slogan that he is uh, he's taught to uh, to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, I said um, that uh, I felt this was a kind of uh, science fiction movie that doesn't really get talked about. Um, and, uh, I just, I just wanted to come back to that point. Yeah. Um, science fiction, I think is a term that is really kind of diluted in, in sort of mainstream popular culture. Um, science fiction, I think is automatically slapped on something that, that is a story that takes place in space. Yeah. Or is a story that involves like smart people thinking about space. Suddenly it's science fiction, even though it, it could be just an adventure story. It could be a Western, it could be whatever, right? Could be a horror movie, um, and then you get some movies that people will always they, they they like to call them serious science fiction. And I'm thinking of uh, things like The Martian or um, The Arrival. Hmm. So if it's a if it's if it happens in space or is space themed, but people are not acting superheroic, mm-hmm. then it's called a serious science fiction movie. And I think I think I think that's kind of misleading. Um, yeah. But um, I would call Videodrome a science fiction movie in the sense that um, I think people used to call Frankenstein a science fiction movie in, in that it's, it's a movie that is just dealing with anxieties about the new technology and what it's going to do to us as humans. So uh, it, it blurs a bit into horror, but maybe... Um, for me, this is it is science fiction in that it is uh, it's a story really about technology and yeah. uh, and what it means for us. Um, I guess I guess I want to say it should be taken more seriously because I, I, I guess if you label it horror, I think yeah. that that automatically um, puts people into a certain mindset about like okay, well, I only have to consider it in so this it's way. It's a genre movie, yeah. yeah. But the way that people considered something like nineteen eighty four. And yeah. said like, well, that's you know that has ideas, or people or people watch something like Brazil, and that has that has a lot of longevity, yeah, because it has ideas about society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I feel about Videodrome. Is yeah. it, it's, it's that kind of movie that has uh, ideas about humanity that uh, that really t- uh, stand the test of time. Certainly, yeah. I miss James Woods as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Does he uh, did he die? Or is he just retired? I think he's alive. Okay, but I I just haven't seen him in uh, in new movies in ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he was in the Virgin Suicides. Hmm. Okay. Oh, it looks like he he does a lot of voice work. He was in six episodes of Ray Donovan. Don't know what that is. He was in White House Down. Really? Did not watch that. He was in Jobs, which was the Steve Jobs movie made before Steve Jobs. <laughs> Okay. With Ash- Ashton Kutchner. Yeah. Okay, so he continues to work. I'm yeah. just, for various reasons, not seeing the movies that he's doing. Yeah. Hmm. They mostly seem to be not very good. Anyway, um, yeah, he's pretty good. Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah, great. I don't think I've seen anything else with him, though. Virgin Suicides, Once Upon a Time in America, Videodrome. Um, the Hard Way with Michael J. Fox. Bestseller with Brian Dennehy. Uh, <laughs> we could rattle off. Oh, I've seen Casino. Casino, the Scorsese a, movie. Yeah, I think he's a lawyer in that movie. Really? Okay, I forget that one. I forget his role in that one. Yeah, anyway. James Woods, good actor. Yep, Bond actor or great actor? 
I guess it's not going to work as a callback to our previous episode because we, we post them so far apart. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's just never think about or refer to or speak of Bon Cop Back Up ever again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is a good movie and I think we could probably talk about it for a while longer, but I, uh, I like what we've said thus far and it might be a good place to end it. I agree. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, and uh, hopefully people who haven't seen it might be turned on to it. I feel like this is one where if we're doing this podcast five years from now, we could just watch it again and talk about it again. Yeah, we'll probably have a, a, some, we'll notice new things, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything you wanted to point out as a particularly uh, Canadian about the movie? Uh, so apparently, apparently Civic TV... I just started watching the the um, commentary mm-hmm. with Cronenberg. I didn't get through much of it, but he did mention at the very beginning of it that Civic TV is based off of City TV, which was a channel oh. channel that started in Toronto. Mm, okay, and I guess they started as kind of a local news program, but then um, morphed into more of the late night softcore pornography and that sort of thing, and um, that kind of stirred the initial idea for the movie. Hmm. Okay. Um, So I guess not necessarily particularly Canadian, but it's a Canadian channel. Sure. But I guess there would be analogous types of channels in other countries. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Let's rate this thing then out of um, a a set of leaves. 97 leaves. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it like 91 that's high praise. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it 90. Okay. I think 181 is prime too. Okay, I'll give it 181. Divide that by 97. And you get pi. Do you really? No. No, okay. <laughs> I almost believe you there. <laughs> really? Actually, no, it is, no, but you do get the golden ratio. Hmm. Okay. Like 1.618. Also not true. Would you rather have um, the um, uh, the attachments in, uh, like those portal attachments in the back of your neck in existence, or a vagina? Back stomach? of your back of your back, dude. Back of your back, yeah. In your spine, right? Yeah. It goes. What, did, what do they call that? I want. I want to think um, it was a spinal tap. It's a. Um, it's a bioport. Bioport. Thank yeah. you. Would you that? Would you rather be in, installed with a bioport or a vagina stomach? Definitely a bioport. Okay, <laughs> that's an easy choice. Yeah. I don't know what that says about my sexual preferences, but. <laughs> uh, uh, it just seems less invasive. <laughs> That's all. I would go with that one too. Yeah, but they, I don't know, they, uh, they really sexualized that one in that movie too. Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee just, just lubes it up real good. Man, Existence is a good movie too. We should talk about it soon. We should. We'll get to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for chatting about Videodrome. Thank you. We are a podcast that exists on the internet, and we have a website that is filmedincanada.net. And we also have an email, which is filmedincanada at gmail.com. But please don't bother emailing us. We're inundated with so many emails. We, we cannot get to your email I get, in this I get, year. I get one email per week from YouTube letting me know what 
the YouTube subscriptions are up to. And then we get occasionally get an email from someone soliciting us to promote their movie. And then we less occasionally get an email from a listener. So that's about the extent of our email. And um, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be nice. If you do so, you can also follow up with an email suggesting a movie for us to watch, and we may or may not get to it at some point. Um, and that's all for now. For now. See you in Pittsburgh. <laughs> nice.